While every season is special at Biltmore, there's just something about autumn. It's the perfect time to wander and explore the color-splashed gardens and grounds of Biltmore Estate, or take a guided cycling tour on a crisp, cool morning. Then toast to the season's fleeting beauty with a complimentary wine tasting. Fall won't last forever. Savor it while you can at Biltmore. Stay and save up to 20% on select dates at Biltmore.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it's both an honor and a pleasure to welcome my next guest to the podcast. He is a stand-up comic, a host of the Chad Prather Show. He is a YouTube personality. Did you know you were a YouTube personality? That's what they introduced me as. I always say that's a 21st century way of saying I'm unemployed, but I'm popular. <laughs> he was uh, recently a candidate for governor here in the great state of Texas. And the size of his hat, ladies, is directly proportionate to the size of his belt Paint. buckle. Yeah, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Chad Prather. <laughs> good, to be, good to be with you, buddy. It's been a minute. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've been on, on your show a couple times. I know we've talked about having you on here, so it's good to, to yeah. finally make that happen. I'm glad to class this joint up a little yeah, bit. Fucking A. <laughs> Churching it up in here. Uh, what's the most Texas thing about you? Uh, well, you know, I, people give me a hard time cause I wasn't born in Texas. My father was an engineer. And so I was, I was actually born in New Jersey. He was working on a project in Manhattan. So I kept shit for that all the time, but oh, shit. I was conceived in Dallas. So I at least say <laughs> as a pro-life guy, I have yeah. Texas DNA, right? I have, I have those Texas roots. No, I grew up in, I grew up in Georgia. Georgia's, you know, mirrors Texas a lot in terms of its size and personality that's there and stuff and just the pride in the state. So kind of carry that with me. I love the state of Texas. I think it's the center of the universe. Yeah. And uh, for me, you know, I keep saying that Texas is, is a spirit. It's not taught, it's caught. You yeah. either get it or you don't get it, yeah. right? And there's people who are born here, grew up here, and they don't get it. And I, I think the biggest thing for me is just that spirit of Texas. Yeah. I, I call it a humble arrogance. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you look at back like when Hurricane Katrina and all that stuff hit New Orleans. You know, they, they waited forever on the federal government to come bail them out. Then Hurricane Harvey, when it hit Texas, we didn't wait on shit. We just loaded up the trucks. We didn't, we didn't have to get mandated to go take care of our neighbors. Yeah. We just did it. That's just a Texas way of doing things. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I, I've been here for uh, 12, almost 13 years now, and uh, I love it here. I mean, the only, the only thing I don't like about Texas is, at this point is the amount of people from California that have moved here in the last few years. Well, it's ridiculous. That was one of the reasons I ran for governor was just this, this you know, we talk about don't California my Texas. And there's some good people coming because they're trying to escape the bureaucratic bullshit in, in California, and I get that. They're being taxed into oblivion, and it's just a shithole state now. But the problem is throwing the doors open to Silicon Valley and the yeah. ideologies that come along with those big companies, big tech and – all that stuff. And, and, you know, Texas, 
Austin specifically has kind of just become a little Silicon Valley down there and it's screwing everybody in the state of Texas, especially with things like property taxes. And yeah, I'm uh, dumbfounded at how much Austin has changed in the time I've been here. I mean, it's uh, yeah. When I, when I first announced that I was running for governor, I had a newspaper writer. She said, do you think if you make it to Austin, you, you can handle it since Austin's not like the rest of Texas. I said, that's a very telling statement. (laughs) I said, we got to make Austin like the rest of Texas uh, or we're screwed. Yeah. No, I mean, it, uh, it's, it's totally different there. I mean, to me, like there's an energy just when you drive in there that's unlike anywhere else in the state, you know? It's, yeah. uh, it's well, they, you know, the, the motto being keep, keep Austin weird. Well, when 10% of your population chooses a transient lifestyle to live yeah. under a bridge, that's pretty fucking weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's as weird as it gets. Yeah. It's, it's hard <laughs> they not choose to keep that. it weird. Yeah. It's, it's a lifestyle nuts. choice. I know. So it's crazy. What, uh, what is Beto O'Rourke's favorite or best quality? <laughs> uh, well, his, his fundraising, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I could make a lot of jokes. That's why I laugh a little bit at that. But, uh, you know, here's a guy in 2018. He, he's just kind of like a tumor that doesn't go away. Yeah. And so his, his, he tries to be this leftist, progressive, loony bend, you know, fringe guy that, that's some hip kind of cool dude that everybody's supposed to be able to relate to. The dude doesn't relate to anybody, in my opinion. I mean, he's he's a he's a poster boy wannabe. The um, but it's amazing how much money in 2018. I think when he ran against Ted Cruz for Senate, I think they poured about 90 million dollars into that campaign, and he almost won it. Yeah, I mean, he almost won the thing. Um, you know, it's so we're going to see what happens. I mean, obviously he's going to be on the Democratic ticket for governor here in the state of Texas, and it's not going to be a shoe in. I mean, Greg Abbott, Texas Tribune said that Greg Abbott. You know, our current governor is is the most powerful governor in the history of the state of Texas. And they said it because he's very dictatorial. He sidesteps the legislative process and does whatever he wants to do, which is not good. Uh, and and I think the campaign, the Beto campaign, they wanted Greg Abbott to be the candidate because Abbott's going to have our time running on his record. But again, it's going to be... There'll be $150 million spent total between yeah. two campaigns yeah. on, to run for governor in Texas. That's crazy. I think, I think the governor of Texas is the third most powerful position on the planet behind God and the president. Oh, I sure. really do. Yeah. You could you get anything done. we got a bigger economy in Texas than Russia. Yeah. Right? I mean, ninth largest, consistently the ninth largest economy on the planet. It's a powerful position. Yeah. No, no doubt about yeah. it. I mean, and, and I think to, uh, to the Abbott versus Beto um, – contrast is I, I i get that is that he provides probably the biggest left versus right contrast of all yeah. of the all of the guys you know so it's easier to to vilify him I yeah think. it is and I, I hope that um i hope this is the third time and he's out right because he's yeah. he's run for senate he's run for well you know he's a congressman but i mean he's run for senate lost ran for president that was embarrassing didn't have a shot yeah. um but that whole primary campaign was embarrassing yeah um so you know, we'll see what happens here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm a little worried on it, just in terms of again the population increase. Yeah, here in Dallas, since I've lived here, feels like it's tripled. Like right. driving around population wise, and and looking at real estate, you know, versus when I moved here. I mean, it's you know when the COVID thing was going on, and everybody's like, oh, these guys like Bill Gates, they want to control the population and they want to reduce the global population. And I'm driving around in traffic between Dallas and Houston. I'm like, maybe not a bad idea, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe be like Thanos in the in the Marvel yeah, deal, no you know, shit. just snap your fingers and half the population's gone. That's no shit. I mean, you know, people talk about you know global warming and 
you know, just resources in general. And, you know, I, I have mixed feelings on all of it, which I mean, that's yeah. its own fucking show in, in and of itself. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, but the, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, there's, there's a, a certain amount of people on the planet that resource wise, no matter how smart or efficient you are at it, that this planet can sustain. Yeah. And it feels like we're at that tipping point now. You know, I mean, if you just think about like, you're a little older than me, but you know, when, when we were kids, what the population was now versus yeah. then, I mean, it, it's, it's almost doubled since when we were growing up. Yeah, it is. And I mean, so we're at, you know, seven and a half, eight billion people on the planet right now. And you've got, um, you know, and I do, I, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, you know, I, you guys, you, you guys are on the conservative side or things. And I certainly am. You guys are these right-wing extremists. You don't believe in anything. It's like, that's not true. I, I don't like narrative-driven ideological agendas being pushed down people's throat. I do think we need to be good stewards of, you know, what we're doing in terms of, like, I, I believe in green, sustainable energy when right. it's done right. When it becomes right. an ideology, that's another deal. Um, but, we, we, you know, we've, there's a lot of things we got to be more responsible and have some conversations about rather than just kind of balking at it. Yeah. And, and be aware. I had a I had a guy on my show recently, uh, Rios Patel. Here's you want to talk about an oxymoron. Here's a guy who is a gay liberal in Hollywood who was born in Pakistan, a Muslim. He's got a husband and surrogate children, um, and you know, all, just check all the boxes, right? And we sat down for an hour, and, and we have when he's around, we have the best conversations and actually get things done. Yeah. Just through, and you realize. That that we we really do live next door to each other. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're we're not we're not we don't have to be enemies. Yeah, but that's the that's the perception in this polarized society that we're living in right now politically that everybody thinks that's where we got to be operating. Yeah, I think most people want most mostly the same things. Yeah, you know, uh, there's nuance, of course, and and for sure there's some big ticket items, whether it's abortion or drugs or uh, guns, you know, border stuff, you know, what have you that, that seem to divide people. But I, I agree. I think at, at the end of the day, ultimately, like you're about 80, 85% there the same way, you know, with, with most people. You know, I, I, I see this stuff again. I wrote a book last year. It came out last year called, am I crazy? And, and the, you know, the sub line was, uh, an unapologetic Patriot takes on the insanity of today's woke world. And, you know, you're looking at the fringe on both sides, and, and we part of the point that I made in the book is social media is not real life. Yeah. Um, but we think that that's you know where we got to get on there. We're all keyboard warriors to some degree. I've made a god. I've made a career doing it, and uh, you get on there and you you try to poke the bear a little bit. Yeah. Some people can't separate that reality, unfortunately. But you know, I'll be driving down the street. You talk about sitting in traffic, and I look across the median, and I'll see somebody coming the other way. And I was like, you know, that motherfucker over there ain't thinking this shit right now. Yeah. He's not doing all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> get the dogs, my three pounds of terror right here. Um, you know, they're not thinking all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just don't think that's where the average person lives. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the the bitch of it—the squeaky wheel getting the grease kind of thing where. Uh, you know, m most of what you see headline wise and what gets, uh, you know, uh, perpetuated online is is that 10 percent fucking crazy on both right. sides. You know, that's what gets highlighted because it pisses people off and they yeah. pay attention to it. You know, what, what I always say is a healthy bird has two wings. Right. You got a right wing. You got a left wing. If you don't have that's an unhealthy bird. You know, if if. People want to live out on the wings. I don't think that's a healthy life. I, I think you got to get into where the heart, the mind, the vision, you know, the brains are to the bird. That's the body of the bird. I think that's where more people live. You know, if I'm going to fly on an airplane, I don't want to fly out on the wing. I want to sit in the 
in the fuselage, so yeah. to speak, where there's conditioned air. Yeah. Uh, there's a, it's a much more comfortable ride. And I'm not saying be middle of the road on everything. I think people should have an opinion. I, I just think that we have to be wise in how we... One, I think we've lost our ability to think critically and with any complexity of thought. That's a big thing to me. We, we've lobotomized ourselves, and it's been a self-lobotomy, right, to the point where we've, we've so dumbed ourselves down that we think we're thinking critically, and we're not. Um, you know, I get up, when I'm thinking about an issue, my, I'm always asking myself, am I wrong? That's where I start the critical thinking process yeah. for me. Am I wrong? And yeah, I, I find that a lot of times I am wrong on things. And so I try to make those corrections and then communicate accordingly. Now, the perception is that I'm out there some kind of dogmatic, you know, push, pushing from a pulpit. No, I'm in, I'm in conservative media. I mean, we're, we, I, I give opinions from that perspective, yeah. right? So, you know, that perception is going to be that I'm out there, you know, preaching some kind of intolerant hate or some kind of deal. And anybody that knows, knows that's just simply not the case. Um, but I'm pushing people all the time. I'm like, think with some complexity of thought and actually have that conversation with other people around you. And let's, let's see where we're wrong. And, and I think by determining that, we can see where, we're, where we need to be and where we need to get right. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the things I uh, mentioned multiple times in, uh, in the book that I just came out with is, is essentially that, is that, you know, go into the conversation, you know, remove religion, remove politics, remove emotion, and also... Uh, have have enough of an open mind uh, that that the prospect that you might actually be wrong is possible. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, I think too many too many times, especially on social media, because it, it gives you enough time to to sit there and think about what's the wittiest, snappiest <laughs> fucking comeback. You know, it's like, but but it's true. It's, it's like true. That, that that little bit of pause that you get, and maybe it's hours to come up with the best zinger fucking comeback. It, it is true. That's that's not real life. You know, no, like if, I, if, I don't get to go to Google when you and I are having a conversation, yeah. so I can pull a statistic. Yeah, you know, or some kind of meme of the day that proves my point. Uh, you know, and again, in, in my deal, I always say I write about it in the book, and I tell people if you buy my book. The introduction and the final chapter are really all you need to read. The rest is bullshit because it's just my pithy observations, attempts at, you know, sad attempts at humor on current events. But uh, in, in that opening chapter, I say, you know, social media gives people two false ideas. One, it gives them a platform where they think that they have some sense of authority. And it also gives them this idea of fame. Yeah. Like I, the world is going to hear me. Yeah. And you, you're not, most of us are not experts. Yeah. Most of us are not subject matter experts on, on things, but we, we think we are online because we can go Google something and come back with an answer. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, most people listen to, to respond and not to understand. True. You know, and so that's where it's like, you know, watching, like if you follow threads on social media, which I, I, I don't do and haven't done for years. I mean, I, I rarely even read comments on things that I post anymore. That's good. Uh, you know, for, for all that same reason. But, <laughs> you know, music is a big, uh, big inspiration and a big part of my life. I listen to it all the time, whether I'm driving, riding a motorcycle, working out, walking, uh, what have you. And one of the things that, uh, you know, frustrates me regularly is getting a good pair of you know, headphones that, that have a high quality sound that are easy to use, um, you know, but that don't cost a fortune. Um, I've recently partnered with, uh, with Raycon and, uh, I really, really like these, these wireless headphones or Bluetooth, uh, they're everyday earbuds. They look, feel, and sound better than ever. Uh, and they're half the price or even less than a lot of, uh, other brands that, uh, that are popular out there. So, um, I've been using them now for a couple of weeks. The <clears throat> battery life is really good. It uh, has 32 hours of standby time and, and eight hours of playtime, which I have tested 
um, you know, I've used them all day long basically and, and not had to re recharge and they come in a rechargeable case. They don't take long to charge to begin with. Uh, and they, they sound great. They're super comfortable uh, and they're just really good. And, uh, I want to extend this uh, call to action for you guys. Mic drop listeners can get 15% off of the Raycon order, uh, at buyraycon.com slash mic drop. That's buyraycon.com slash mic drop. And you save 15% on an already uh, very reasonably priced uh, set of wireless earphones. That's buyraycon.com slash mic drop. It reminds me of, uh, or, or it seems like two people dancing to a different fucking song. You know, it's like they're, yeah. they're, they're not really trying to understand each other. They're just well, trying to be right. And that's the deal, you know, in that whole thing where we live is, um, you know, I, I, I think I did a commentary on it last week where I said, you know, the problem is, we have these people, and uh, this will be great for your audio right here, pulling this thing out. Uh, <laughs> I should have brought you some. If I knew, knew you were bringing I know, the dog dude, in. I'll about. reach in the back of the truck, and I grab this thing. You know me. I've always got a dog with me, and uh, this one's little, so she's, she's still trying to figure out the world, trying to get her to quit chewing on people. Um, I don't want to spank her on camera. That's, that's <laughs> always bad for publicity. But, I, you know, I was telling people, I said, you know, we've got all this information at our disposal these days. But it's not all good information, right? It's like having fast food on every corner. Yeah. It's, there's food you can eat, but that's not good. And, and so what we're feeding our brains is definitely not healthy yeah. these days. Um, you know, <clears throat> you know, I do comedy for a living, I, or at least in my past life, and, and still do some. Um, I've always used comedy and humor. I tell people I try to take common sense, wrap it in humor, make it an easier pill to swallow. So if you come to one of my shows, a live show, I hope you walk away having laughed and been entertained, but I hope you also walk away with a point. Like yeah. you, like you learned something. You were like, "Damn, you know, I have never thought about it from that perspective." And you make you use humor to try to get that point across. Um, these days, though, and you notice, like Chappelle getting attacked on stage the other day, and yeah. Chris Rock getting slapped, and all the other silly bullshit that yeah. you know the Hollywood distraction, in my opinion. You know, you see all these things, and you're like. The two big bastions of free speech, the place where you should be able to say anything you want to say, are two of the most under attack places right now. One is is the church pulpit, right? You're supposed to go to church and get a little uncomfortable, you know, uh, make some corrections to your life. And then the, the comedy stage. I mean, the comedy stage, those dudes went to jail, like George Carlin and Lenny Bruce and those guys in the 50s. I mean, they were put in jail for telling jokes, right? Uh, so they'd be turning over in their grave right now if they realized just all this woke, thin-skinned, beta-soy-cuck bullshit that people get offended by right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to go to a comedy show and get a little offended. Yeah. I guess that's the discomfort of it all. That's the fun part of this thing, but people can't handle that anymore. Um, you know, there's comics out there. Uh, Jim Jeffries is an Australian comic. He's completely anti-Second Amendment, right? Hates guns, the whole thing. Got all these bits that he does about why guns are dumb and own, gun ownership. And it's hilarious. I don't agree with a damn thing he's saying. Yeah, but it's, but, still but it's fun. freaking funny, yeah. right? You can still appreciate the but humor. Yeah, you got you to gotta see the, the genius of the comedy in yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we've, we've crossed over into this weird... Uh, like paradigm shift societally where now things that you say are, are to a lot of people more egregious than an action. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I think the Will Smith thing is, 
is, is pretty clear cut, um, you know, evidence of that. And, and that there were a lot of people that defended what Will did and like, yeah, it's, you know, well, you talk about somebody's <laughs> wife, you, you know, like, wait, wait a minute. Like yeah. when, when, when did this transfer exactly. over to like, or, or, you know, people with alopecia, like, yeah, see it fucking, you don't fuck with people with al- alopecia. It's like suddenly what? alopecia became the big, I mean, I, it, I had a heyday with the jokes for days after yeah, that. I mean, but, but like, to me, the, it's more serious than I think, a lot of people realize, you know, they were entertained or thought it was funny or like, holy shit, that's crazy. Like they don't, but they don't stop and think at least, you know, from my perspective, like how, how serious of a transition that is where, you know, 10 years ago, I think everybody would have been calling for Will Smith to be arrested and, yeah. and, and sued and lawsuits, yeah, I mean, and, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, in, in this weird world that we live in where, you know, the equality of gender that, that I, I don't agree with, but that, you know, most people, that, that were in the camp uh, kind of defending Will Smith for slapping somebody, right. if that had been a woman, do, do you think that it would have gone the same way? Exactly. Like, well, fuck no, it wouldn't have. But why not? Like, if if men and women are equal, then then why couldn't he have right. slapped a woman comic and it, and it have had the same result? <laughs> great point. You know, so uh, there's just so many um, inconsistencies and, and hypocritical fucking points that, it, that like, people – are just stepping all over their dicks when it comes to, to, you know, being that way and, and yeah. contradicting themselves that they don't even realize. And, and few people even notice and, or call them out on. But, um, so I, I'd love to just get a quick background. You said you, you were born in New Jersey, uh, or conceived in Texas, born yeah. in Jersey, grew up in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, and, and being on a campaign trail, running for governor in Texas, that whole—I of course I use it humorously—but I that being conceived in Texas, that was a, that was an important point of the yeah. campaign. Yeah, yeah, because people, you know, you go to Wikipedia, which God forbid, Wikipedia, man, I don't know who writes that shit or yeah. posts it, but you know, it's you read that stuff and it's like, God, I didn't, I didn't know any of that about myself. Yeah. Uh, but it'll say I was born in New Jersey and, and I, I was, I mean, you know, my father was there on a, on a, on a, again, work project in New York city. And, uh, my mother, that just happened to be where she was when she went into labor yeah. and uh, had me there, but we, we only lived there four more months and then moved back to Georgia, which is where my mother was from. Grew up there, went to the University of Georgia. Um, I'm way more educated than is useful these days. Uh, I, I just, <laughs> You know, I went to I went to school to play ball, play baseball, and um, then then I bounced around the southeast a little bit, just trying to find myself and trying to figure out what it was I wanted to do. And but I spent I spent you know I starting in college, every time spring break would hit or summer would hit, if I didn't have baseball going on, I w- went to another country. So like in '94, I went to Russia, spent. 15 days. First time really out of the country. 15 days in Moscow. That was in the 90s. That was 94. That yeah. was right after the fall of communism. Oh, that had to have been fucking wild, huh? Well, it was weird because it was still that um, kind of that oppressive uh, atmosphere, kind of that dark cloud hanging over Moscow. Yeah. Moscow's a weird place. You know, you, you call it a spiritual thing or whatever, but Moscow just, we're just kind of the seedbed of where communism just was living and breathing. It was kind of the, the brain epicenter for communism and, and, you know, everything. And so 15 days and, you know, it's so fucking weird. You know, you go to places like that and the sun never goes down, right? Certain times of the year, I mean, it might get sort of dark between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. And so 15 days of just that. And so that was kind of my baptism into international travel. And I was like, well, from now on, I'm going to third world countries. Uh, and which Russia is not too far off from that actually. But, um, 
so I, I took off to, to Africa, Southeast Asia, Central and South America, and I met my first wife in Nigeria, went all the way to West Africa to meet a white girl from Alabama, <laughs> and uh, we had four kids together, and um, great kids, and so, you know, I would just always bounce around, so I always tell people I spent the better part of 15 years in third world countries, and then I would come back to the states in all these places whether it was churches or civic organizations or stuff they would always want to have me in to come speak and tell about those kind of things and so I kind of had a kind of had a motivational speaking career if you will and and people always said he's the guy that'll make us laugh he you know yeah. we got to have him back man he's so funny and then it got to a point where people didn't give a shit if I was motivating him or not as long as I was making him laugh yeah. and so I did that for a while then wound up going through a divorce and uh, kind of had one of those, I'm um, screwed the world, screw public. I'm tired of everybody. I climbed in that proverbial cave for a couple of years yeah. and said, I'm going to go to the corporate world. I'm, I'm tired of working for myself and doing my own thing. You know, I've tried to serve the world with yeah. humanitarian aid and mission work and medical work and stuff like this. And the world's shitting on me. So I crawled in that cave and uh, uh, said, I'm going to do like the rest of the world and just get a paycheck. You know, I hated that. I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I just, that wasn't me. So, uh, <clears throat> wound up getting remarried and, uh, uh, again, kind of settled into Texas and, and I would look at social media. I, you know, I'd be on Facebook all the time. And my, my second wife, she'd always look at me. She said, you always got your face in that damn phone. You know, what's the deal? And I said, there's something here. Like there's something that you could do business-wise. I just can't put my finger on what it is. And, uh, you know, then it got to a point where I, I got, when the success came, she it went from saying, you always got your face in the damn phone to, can I get you a charger for the phone? You know, because it was, <laughs> yeah. but it, I suddenly saw social media as kind of like owning your own television network. Yeah, I could put any content out there that I wanted, entertain people. For me, it was humor. And um, I, got to, I got to be known as the guy who told jokes on Facebook. I'd go into a bar somewhere and somebody recognized me. And they'd say, you're that dude. You're the dude that's always posting jokes. Well, they weren't videos or anything. They're just writing jokes. He goes, you're the guy that's always posting jokes. Yeah. So then I had a, a radio, radio network that came and said, we want to give you a show. We want you to host one, one night a week, live music show, and just do your thing. So I did that for a while. Then I had a fledgling television network that came to me and said, um, we, we, want you to, we want to give you a television show, a travel television show, where you go around and, and you interview kind of man-on-the-street stuff and you showcase cities. And it was built around equestrian lifestyle. It's kind of like Bravo for horses, right? Yeah. And, you know, hence the cowboy hat. Because, again, I grew up in the, in the equestrian world and grew up with horses and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so in the first season of making that show for that network, I, I'd be sitting around, I'd be going to do voiceover work for post-production for a show, and I'd be sitting in traffic. And I just popped my camera phone up and just talked to it while I was in traffic for a minute or two, and just whatever my thoughts of the day were. And people started watching this shit. And I always said it was my therapy sessions, you know. Um, it was a whole lot cheaper, you know. <laughs> than just, and I didn't, you know, I would, I was, I've always been kind of a depressed guy anyway. And so people were like, you should go see a therapist. And I was like, nah, it's weird. I don't want to go sit with a strange dude on a leather couch who keeps asking me, how does that make me feel? So I just keep talking to the phone. So people started watching this stuff. And uh, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Next thing I know, the thing went viral. I mean, it just, I mean, millions of people started watching these stupid videos sitting in the truck. And, you know, back then I said, I'm never going to talk about politics. I'm never going to talk about, you know, I'm never going to do any of that shit. And then, uh, it, but it, I did. I mean, I just millions of people. I mean, we got to a point where we had like 2 billion views on Facebook alone for this stuff. And so people just knew me as the cowboy that sat in his truck. I mean, Fox News picked up on it and all these different deals. And, and uh, one thing led to another. And I had a comedian friend of mine who came to me and he said, dude, you should do live shows. I said, I'm not a comedian. He goes, who gives a shit? He goes, if you can sell tickets, just put asses in the seats, make money and get them, get them on stage and tell stories. Yeah. I was like, that's a good idea. So we started doing that and we wound up touring uh 2016 sold out every show we did in 2016 and then it was just kind of off to the races doing live shows and then got into the world of podcasting and that was weird that blaze tv picked me up and you know glenn beck's network and they picked me up and now it's not really a podcast anymore it's a nightly talk show yeah. you know as you know and so it's it's been a weird wild journey i tell people i say only in the 21st century can you have a, a career in cable television you have your own show but then social media takes off and just jets past that yeah. to now people are like, we, we didn't even know you had a show on TV, yeah. right? And it opened up doors for me. You know, then I, I started going out to, I had representation in LA. I had a manager out there, got an agent out there. You know, I was out there, I was, I was represented by Lionsgate, uh, Eric Tannenbaum, who's executive producer for shows like um, uh, Two and a Half Men. He picked me up because I was writing ideas for scripts and, and stories and sitcoms. And so, I'd get on an airplane every Tuesday morning. You know, here's me in my goofy-ass cowboy hat. And, you know, I'm flying out there. I'm staying in West Hollywood, you know, the gayest place in L.A. And, and, and my gay agent, he'd say, why do you always stay there? That's the gayest place in L.A. And I was like, dude, they love me over there. I'm like, I always show up in the cowboy hat. It's like a revival of the village people. I don't have to pay for any drinks. It's fun. And, uh, and so, anyway, you know, I was doing all this kind of stuff. So, you know, here's this redneck from Georgia. And I did, man. I grew up in the woods, bro. I, I mean, I I got a cousin that got arrested for selling chicken salad sandwiches at a cockfight. Uh, I mean, that's country as shit right there. She didn't have a food permit. That's a true story. And uh, she was selling pimento cheese and chicken salad. I always said that the chicken salad was called the loser special. But um, yeah, man, you, you grow up in the woods. Like I learned things that like people in the woods don't deal with things that people in the city do. Like you don't have to worry about ghosts. Because, like, if you die in a trailer, you're not coming back to haunt that shit, right? You know, the only mansions and hotels have ghosts. And so, <laughs> so, you know, I just grew up as a, as a hyperactive ADD kid. You know, I had the, had the trees, the dogs, and the cows, and the horses. And um, it, I realized that, uh, that at heart, I was kind of a city boy. So, 
when I had the opportunity to go to LA and do work here and stuff like that in the Dallas area, I was like, I jumped all over that stuff. Were any of those opportunities, or I guess, uh, do any of those opportunities stand out as being uh, what you enjoyed the most during that entire? I think just the creative aspect of it, of just getting up every day and, and just kind of dreaming and, and trying to, you know, have people who could kind of breathe into that and, and kind of make that dream come true in, in that, you know, you have this idea or I should say idea come true. Um, that was the fun shit. What I, what I didn't anticipate was the burnout that comes with mm. it because, you know, you get to a point where it's like you're pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and then suddenly you're pouring out of an empty cup. And I'm going, you know, golly, I'm, I'm, I'm creatively exhausted. And I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? Oh, that's right. I'll run for governor in the, in the second largest state in America. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try that on yeah. for size when you're already emotionally I'm a, I'm drained. I'm on bandwidth. Well, yeah, I, yeah I mean, you know, my marriage is shit right now. And, and so let's, yeah. let's add that yeah. to, the, to the thing. So, you know, I, I haven't always been a smart guy, Mike. Uh, so it's... Uh, <laughs> Is there uh, is there something in that industry, the Hollywood and, and uh, you know that that path that you took? Is there anything that would surprise people? You know that that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, I mean, you know, people look at me. I again, the cowboy hat. I, the cowboy hat is kind of how I grew up, right? It's kind of represents who I am and, and just the world I've lived in. And then all of a sudden, uh, you kind of get thrust in all this kind of stuff. And I I've always held on to the hat for a weird psychological and sociological reason, it makes people underestimate you, mm. right? So they don't realize the third world travel. They don't understand the medical, the stuff that I did. In, in the, I've delivered a lot of human babies in third world villages, right? Um, you know, it, I travel with these doctors and, you know, it's, it's crazy. You have all these life experiences. I have the degrees. I have got the education and, and the experience and then all these different things I've done. I want people to underestimate me because it makes the conversation easier to start. Yeah. So now people, they'll come at you and they're like, they don't realize I was writing scripts in Hollywood. They don't realize I was writing sitcoms in Hollywood. You know, I'd get on a plane, they'd fly me out there, you know, Tuesday morning. And that was my office for the week. And I'd come back and, you know, they wanted me to move to LA. And I was like, no, yeah. that ain't happening. Yeah. So, you know, I love the fact that I have all these life experiences People come to me and they say, well, what the fuck have you not done? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, well, I, I know who I am. I hold on to all that stuff. But I'm kind of an intellectual redneck. So it, I, I'm able to get into these conversations with people and, and I think bring some positive light. You know, when we were running for governor, I, I say we like I'm schizophrenic. Uh, but our <laughs> team, when we were, we were doing that, I, you know, I'm not a politician. I didn't come from political clout nobody owed me anything there was no donors there were no backers there were no consultants there were nobody nobody driving me i was literally having drinks sitting across the table from don trump jr one night in south dakota and my phone goes off and it says that greg abbott shutting the state down again and mandating more masks and i i, I tell people i say i don't know if it was because i was drinking wine or sitting with a trump but i went on twitter and said i'm running for governor in 2022 in the state of texas the thing blew up and went crazy most people thought it was a joke they were kind of waiting on the punchline from me but I was dead serious about it. I was pissed off at that point in time. Yeah. And, um, you know, these, these big government responses to stuff were just pissing me off. So, you know, I, I got into all of this stuff and I started, you know, kind of pushing through on the political side of thing. And I was real proud of what we did because we opened up a lot of eyes. You know, we turned on a lot of ideas. 
we got people involved who had never been involved in the, in the political process, certainly in a primary process. So even though we, quote, lost, we won. Um, we did. We had the same result. We had the results I thought we would have. I got 4% of the vote. I thought I was going to get about 6. Yeah. Uh, we got about 4% of the vote. Um, and I, I was okay with that because even in, quote, losing, I won. And, of course, I have people who said, yeah, you turned on a lot of light bulbs, but with your followers, they were only seven and a half watts. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, yeah, you probably, you know, fair point, fair point. We're, we're pretty simple folks. Yeah. But uh, I was real proud of all that stuff. Yeah. It was good. No, I mean, it's it's neat. And, it. Uh, I mean, I'm curious, like, from a logistical and, and procedural standpoint, what does that look like? slash what does it take to to start that like you, you decide well, hey i want to do this what, you know looking it? back on it i i said um well there were two promises I, I made i alluded to one of them earlier two promises i said when things went viral for me i said i'm never going to talk about politics in my videos and my comedy that didn't last long um and then i said i was never going to run for office so i'm, I'm done saying i'm never going to do things yeah it, what happened in 2015 for me was uh, the primaries were going on, and I was looking at all these candidates. I didn't understand Donald Trump. He didn't make sense to me. Um, it, so, but I'm looking at both sides, and I'm like, I made a video where I said, trying to figure out which candidate to go with is like trying to pick which venereal disease you're most okay living with for the next four <laughs> to eight years. And so I was just watching this thing, and then more and more I was like, God. You know, because when I voted in 2016, I was like, or 15, I said, I went into the booth and there was two boxes. There was Hillary Clinton and not Hillary Clinton. I voted not Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Um, didn't know what the hell we were going to get, uh, which, of course, we've seen this in interesting journey um, in sociopolitics now. But for me, I just thought when the time came and I was like, you know, I'm just pissed off enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir this shit up. And so I'm going to run. I'm going to run for governor. I had no clue what I was doing. I was like, do, do we file something with the state? I mean, what do we, I, hell, I didn't even know how to open up a campaign bank account. Yeah. And so I'm calling on people, calling on friends saying, what do we do? What do we do? You got to get a consultant. And so I sat, I sat down with these consultants, you know, they want twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a month to run your campaign for you. And I was like, you guys are just snakes in the grass. I don't trust any of you. You're gross people. And yeah. they turned my stomach and I said, no, I'm not going to do all that. And they said, well, then you can't win. I said, well, one way or another, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. And so we pushed through. It was like taking a sip from a fire hydrant. And, uh, you know, you start a website, get an email campaign going, and try to raise a little money. And, every, and, and then sit back and watch everybody call you a joke. Uh, but I'll tell you this, Mike, at the end of it, it was a night for me, it was a 19 month campaign. I got in earlier than anybody, ran the longest because I had to, because nobody knew who I was in that, in that world. By the end of it, they took me seriously. They, they'd heard me speak. I crisscrossed this state, visited every county. And um, people were like, damn, like this guy, not the, the goofy guy we see in a truck. I mean, he's got something to say and something to offer. And, I, you know, like I say, it was my worst, best experience. I, don't, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I don't want to do it again either. Yeah. Of course, that's pissing a lot of people off because they're like, you've got to do it again. You, you've got to do this. You brought a lot of good. And I'm like, yeah, but do I? Do I? You know? <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, I lost a marriage in the process of all that stuff, not because of it, but in the process of it. Do you think that, that was a contributing factor? It didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help. Uh, again, you know, when you're, when you're sitting there drinking wine with Donald Trump Jr. and you go on Twitter and announce that you're going to uh, run for governor and you haven't said a thing to your wife about yeah. it, it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best. Yeah. Uh, and God bless her. I mean, she tried to hang in there, but it was already kind of rocky and, and some things were there. But, um, 
you know, I'm sitting there going, well, shit, you know, look, I've done everything in my life from, from alcohol abuse to, to enough cocaine to fill up this room. I've done, I've done everything. You know, my thing is people kept saying, well, what about the skeletons in your closet? I'm like, we burned that motherfucker to the ground a long time ago. There are no closets. Yeah. The skeletons are arranged in the front yard, like a Halloween <laughs> decoration. Uh, they're, they're just sitting out here, bro. Yeah. Everybody knows my skeletons. Yeah. I mean, for and so I kept waiting on some big, you know, Oh, thing to this. happen like yeah. every day i'd wake up and i was like today's the day the yeah. day is the day some bitch is coming out of the closet and, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> it's gonna be bad yeah. but it never happened and it, you know at the end of the day it's like i you know i've never kissed a girl that didn't want to be kissed uh i've never tried to have sex with a kid i've never sucked a dick so i was like <laughs> i think i'm pretty solid all, all in all and um you know it, again i say all those things in the way that I say them, just to remind people, it's like, everybody's like, I don't want all my life just being pulled out. And I'm like, well, that's the problem. We keep turning this shit over to these career politicians. Yeah. Greg Abbott has been in state politics in the state of Texas for 30 years. I mean, that's that's getting up to Joe Biden numbers, a dude who's done it for 50 years. Um, you know, we keep putting these assholes back in office. They operate without any sense of accountability. You know, they're supposed to be delegated authority, represented, you know, representing the people's priorities that put them there. They don't give a shit about us. They don't give a rat's ass about us. When they get into that big government cog, man, it doesn't matter if there's a D or an R by their name or what party they're part of. It's big government, and that's a blob that consumes everything and leaves us in its wake. So I keep telling people, I said, change that mindset. I don't give a shit what you've done in your life. I don't care. If, if you want to make change, you got you, it's going to pay you. you got to step in and do this. Um, so I, you know, I was driving down the street the other day and I was like, you know, I saw something I didn't like in a state that I love and I did something about it. I ran for governor. Not everybody can say that. Um, and so I'm pretty proud of that fact and, and, and the way that we ran the campaign and did it, we did it with integrity and, uh, you know, I'm still involved. What I've seen, people kept thinking it was a popularity contest you know, I'm just trying to get more. Dude, you don't want that publicity. Yeah. I mean, that's not the publicity you want. I mean, you talk about stress, and they're like, oh, you're doing it to get rich. How the fuck you get rich doing that? I mean, there, I, I'm sure there's people out there in the big political world. You talk about Beto O'Rourke and these big political guys. I'm sure they get stuff out there. I, not me, you know. I, I'll get the truck and, <laughs> I mean, I was driving five, 6,000 miles a week. Going going to these events, you know, me and my security guy who's, you know, going along with me. And uh, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I had people who were helping, you know, my campaign. Uh, my good friend Allison Stonecipher, Sarah Fields, CJ Ingolstadt, all these different folks were just working. They weren't getting paid. You know they they were they were busting their ass because they yeah. believed in something, and so um, you look at that thing and it's like no we we really were doing it out of a conviction because we love the state, and um, you know I'm I'm proud that we did it and so we'll we'll see what happens in the days ahead because what what I've seen I can't look away from yeah you know I'll still I'm 
Speaking at an event tomorrow night, Jeff Younger. Uh, people have heard of Jeff Younger, his his son James. He he got divorced. He has twin boys, and uh, his two sons, nine years old. He's got a, a, an ex-wife who's trying to transition one of the boys into a girl. Okay, and so Jeff ran for a house seat in his district, and he's in a runoff. So I'm doing an event with him. At the time of this taping, it'll be tomorrow night. Um, and then I'm in San Antonio speaking to a Republicans group, you know, Republican women's group. It's always a women's group for some reason, but I, <laughs> I'm in a <laughs> well, Republican group. Groups, exactly. Talking. So, uh, I, so I, you know, every week at some point in time, I'm still going and speaking in these events. I was in Oklahoma two weeks ago. Jackson Lawmeyer's running for Senate uh, there in the state of Oklahoma. So, you know, what I've seen, I can't look away from. And I kind of have to flip that switch, but that's sort of what I've always done. You know, I can I, I can go to Naples, Florida. I'm in Naples, May 25th. I've got two shows at a comedy club. Um, you know, I, I can go be funny, but then I got to come back and try to get this guy elected, yeah. right? And so it's a weird it's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. Well, so let's say that you had you had one, uh, or just kind of going down the laundry list like what are the the top three things that you see wrong with the state of texas and and what what would you change well we got to deal with the border issue there's no question about that um and, and let me preface all of that by saying the governor of texas can do anything he wants to do it really is the most powerful position in america i mean it really is he can do anything he wants to do greg abbott can get done anything he wants to do if you're wanting to play politics though you're not going to do those things. Um, and, you know, I campaigned on we've, we've got to get we've got to do better as far as our border security. And, it, you know, the Operation Lone Star that's happening here in Texas is a failed experiment. It's not working. Property taxes is out of control. Uh, throwing the doors open to places like Silicon Valley and moving these California businesses in here, whether it's Google, Amazon, Facebook. We're the number two fa- subsidizer of Facebook in the nation as a state. We give, I mean, Facebook doesn't need our money, but we're subsidizing. We just moved Samsung here. We give them a billion-dollar tax break to come in here. You know, here's a Korean company to come in here and do business to build these chips, and we're going to give them a billion-dollar billion tax subsidy. Shit, the average taxpayer in Texas, if you own a home, you know how bad your property taxes yeah. are in the state of Texas. We're now number one in the nation for metropolitan areas in property tax. We're number six overall in the nation. It's not good for a state with an economy like this. You know, we've we've apologized for that which has made us wealthy and great. Things like oil and gas and even coal. We're the number two producer of lignite coal in the nation. We don't have a great quality coal, but shit, it burns. And when the when the power grid goes down like it did in February of 20 or 21, uh, it's, it's pretty handy to have those coal plants up and running, but they're not. So, you know, energy issues, tax issues, border security issues, those were the big, those were the big topics. Public school system is a nightmare. Uh, they've become indoctrination centers on par with what the Bolsheviks did in Russia in 1917 when they set up orphanages to indoctrinate the kids away from the family and turn them into good little communists so that the KGB could have recruiting uh, places to you get both interrogators and executioners. Uh, we're doing that with our kids. I mean, my God, the woke, sexual, hypersexualized agenda that's going on in our curriculum. And when I speak out about that, I'm like, People say, oh, you're against teachers. No, I'm for teachers because teachers are getting victimized by the same system as the kids are. So all these things that are there, it's just we've gotten away from what I believe are true traditional American and especially Texas values. Um, You know, we got I always say we got the blueberries and the chili, right? So you got Dallas and now Fort Worth. You got El Paso, San Antonio, Houston, and definitely the hub, which is Austin. Those are those are blue cities, right? They're they're left leaning cities. Even Fort Worth is now. 
But the rest of Texas is pretty conservative in its values. And so, like, I was proposing legislation, and I'm still going to push for this, uh, proposed legislation that if you're going to add an amendment to the Constitution of Texas, that it has to be ratified by three-quarters of the counties in the state. So that means Parker County, you know, out west of Fort Worth, or Upton County out there south of Midland, has as much say as Dallas County. Yeah, And, and that's what you have to do. It's almost like an electoral college, but within the state based on the counties. Because these people out there, they don't feel like they have a say anymore. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a really, really good idea. Um, you know, to me, uh, all those things are, are absolutely important. I, I don't think we should be trying to get anybody else to move to Texas. I, I think I, mean, <laughs> I really full. don't like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's already too many fucking people here, honestly, yeah. like to the point where, you know, it, it, it has me wondering, like, if I want to live here or not, no bullshit. Like there, there's that it's, many it, fucking it, people. There's here. a lot. It, it people, you know, the mainstream media doesn't do us any favors. You know, they, they try to paint Greg Abbott as being this bastion of right wing conservatism. He's not. Yeah. But again, he lets the media do that because while they're trying to bash him, the uneducated, uninformed voter in Texas goes, yeah, that's our guy. He's so conservative. He is no Ron DeSantis in Florida. Ron DeSantis actually has good policies that he backs up with action. Abbott doesn't do that. Um, And I go down the list on that. We could spend an hour on that and then bore the shit out of everybody. But you're right. I mean, and then, okay, so now you factor in another, you know, the the you know director of homeland security you know Mayorkas, he comes on the other day and he admits that there's at least 850,000 undocumented illegals that are in the state or in the united states that, that they don't have their hands on right so you could that's the size of fort worth i mean that's a 850,000 people that's that's a major metropolitan area they're now in the interior of the united states so we have no way of putting our hands on those people um you could probably double that number and get the actual deal of what's being reported. So, you know, when you talk about 2 million illegals that have come across, um, and by the way, you're talking 130 nations represented that have come across the Texas Southern border. Um, You know, 85 nations represented last year alone, just in Valverde County, which is Del Rio, Texas. Uh, Joe Frank Martinez, who's the sheriff down there, he's a friend. He's a Democrat. And I meet with him when I go down there. He's like, look, I didn't like Trump, but he had this shit under control. He says, this guy in the White House now, I voted for him, but damn, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. And here's why it's such a bad thing. Mike, you know, people say, oh, these, you know, these folks coming across the border, we got to feel sorry for them and all this kind of stuff. Okay, you, 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 can, you can get that treat you know that little prize out of the cracker jack box all you want to and keep fooling yourself that's not the reality of what's going on we had enough fentanyl that came across in the last year alone enough fentanyl was brought across the southern border of texas to kill two that would kill 2.8 billion people that's over a third of the global population that is a bioweapon created in china that's smuggled across by the cartels i mean that's an invasion we're talking about there was enough there was enough fentanyl just found a couple months ago uh, in Collin County that would that would kill the entire county. Uh, so this this has become about living and dying. Yeah. These, these kids are taking, you know, these kids are getting these Adderalls and Phenermines and shit like that, you know, from their buddies, taking these things to get a little buzz and they're dying yeah. uh, because it's got fentanyl mixed into the thing. Uh, and it ain't getting any better. We love ghost bed. They have super comfortable mattresses that last forever and they're made in the USA. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty, some even have 25, and you can try it out for 101 nights. If you don't like it, you can send it back. No hard feelings. 
One of our favorite parts about Ghostbed is that each mattress has cooling technology in it. So if you get hot at night like, say, I do here in Texas, these things are a lifesaver. Ghostbed also offers bundles so you can get everything you need. Do you have an RV or a camper? You should check out Ghostbed's RV mattress. You can get the all foam or hybrid version and it's perfectly sized to fit your RV, camper, or trailer. It's way better than what you're sleeping on now with exclusive cooling technology to keep you nice and cool throughout the night. Right now you can get 30% off the RV mattress by using code MICDROP. Right now Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and adjustable base or 30% off everything if you use the code MICDROP at ghostbed.com forward slash MICDROP. You can buy a mattress for like 35 bucks a month. They have zero down, 0% zero financing plan for up to 60 months. Go check it out at ghostbed.com forward slash mic drop. So tomorrow morning we wake up and it's uh, Governor Prather. Yeah. What, so what do you do to fix the border here well, in Texas? Well, the first thing, if, you know, there's a lot. It's hard, first of all. First thing we got to do is we, we got to have some serious phone calls with Washington, D.C., um, you know, Greg Abbott came out the other day and he says, we're going to send buses to the capital of, you know, the, the capital. We're going to send them to the Congress, you know, and we're going to unload these buses of illegals. Well, that's a violation of Title Eight, Section 1324. You cannot aid, transport, uh, or hide illegals in the United States. He's transporting illegals in the United States. That's a violation of Title Eight. You've got to shut that down. What I was suggesting is we needed a border corridor. We needed, we needed a safety zone. Uh, the Rio Grande to the south, I ninety or Highway ninety to the north, that border zone. Break it into five different sections and have those things patrolled. We got to enforce the full resources, both human and material, of the of the DPS. Uh, I mean, you're, you're talking about military size force in that regard, uh, and we have control over that. Uh, we've got to utilize both the Texas National Guard as well as the State Guard. The State Guard's being underutilized. But if you look at those pictures, and, and Abbott's good about throwing these, oh, we're patrolling the border, and he's got these, you know, Texas National Guardsmen down there. Anybody that understands that world, and you certainly do, you can look at those pictures and, like, these people have no clue what they're doing. They're not in right formation. There's no deployment patches. So these people, they've never been anywhere. They've never done anything. Uh, they're not in any form of riot gear. I mean, if it was to happen, they're, you know, they're getting shot at. They're not allowed to shoot back. Uh, the, these are the kind of things that we got to say, okay, we got a complex problem. Political correctness and, and media bullshit ain't going to solve it. Uh, we got to put a stop to this thing. I mean, I, I've always said tongue-in-cheek, but I, I pretty much kind of mean it too. If I were president of the United States – we would clear out the first hundred miles of North Mexico. We would liberate those people because the cartels are in control of everything. I mean, we are we are being invaded by a narco terrorist group. Uh, you got to name those international terrorists and um, and do something about it. But obviously, this administration ain't going to visit the border, much less do anything about it. So we got to enforce it. We got to enforce the laws that are on the books. They're not being enforced. Um, we got to, we got to put up a show of force and fight back against this kind of stuff. Because again, we are, we're being invaded. If, if the cartels are shooting across that river at our men and women, I, I, I used to tell people on the campaign trail, I said, what would your founding fathers do? Would you found, would the founding fathers not shoot back? Yeah. You know, that's not politically correct, but it's, it's true. I mean, do what we did in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, not drop the bomb, but at least pour some leaflets across that border and say, y'all need to get scarce 
in the, in the next seven days because we're about to really fuck some shit up here. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, in terms of the the five sections, um, are you saying that you would? So you break that down into five sections, and then that that's completely closed, and there's like choke points. Or? Yeah, it would be. It would have to. You'd have to control the traffic. Now, what's going on right now? Where they're just you're, they're checking every truck as it comes across. We we got twenty three bridges that come from Mexico into Texas. Um, the uh, they're shutting that down. They're creating an economic nightmare. You know. The thing that Trump did that was so genius was he put the economic sanctions on Mexico to make sure that they managed their border, right? What was coming through there. That's not happening right now with this administration. So those are the kind of things that have got to change. But you put the choke points on, do have the places of patrol, do have the places where, you know, again, I think Abbott had a pretty good idea where he's like, look, uh, law enforcement can stop any vehicle and, and inspect it, you know, if they suspect that there's illegals that are being transported across. And, of course, um, um you know, the attorney general. Before Sarah discovered chumbacasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, he comes out and says, well, that's unconstitutional and it's, it's dangerous and threatens the lawsuit. And what happens, Greg Abbott just bows down to it and doesn't do anything to it. Um, those are the kind of things that are going to be inconvenient, but, but we got to enforce those things. Uh, there are people out there. I mean, my God, you got a retired veteran community out there that's chomping at the bits. They're trained. They're ready to go. They're able. It's easy to equip them. You know, hire them, utilize them as security contractors. I mean, Kenny County, Texas, which is a neighbor to the east, northeast of, um, of Valverde. Valverde has 121 miles of border with Mexico. I think Kenny County only has like 17. But the problem is they share a lot of border with Valverde. So they were coming in through Valverde and they were cutting across over to the rail yard, to the railhead there uh, in Kenny County, jumping on those railroad tracks, jumping on those trains and hitching a ride to San Antonio and poof, they were gone. So what Kenny County was going to do is they were going to raise $15 million and hire their own security contractors to set up posts across the, the thing and shut the whole thing down. It created a big stink, and they never got to that point, but it sure did get the attention of Austin to say, okay, we got to do something down here. I think one of the problems, uh, or I guess one of the frustrating things for most people is that you hear on both sides, like here, here's what all the problems are, and you hear a lot of this like back and forth of, of kind of picking out, well, this guy did this, and this is a bad idea, and you know, here, here's all these problems. you got this coming across the border and you know, this many people and all these stats and shit. Very rarely do you ever hear somebody say, this is what needs to happen and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, and it's an actual tangible idea that makes sense, that's, that's common sense based, that you can actually wrap your mind around and say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah. it's like, one, of the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that I was consistently pushing for is I said, you know, people say, well, we got to build a wall. Yeah, but 
yes and no. I, we have we need about 300 miles to 350 miles. We have 1,254 miles of border with with a very unstable nation, obviously in Mexico. We only need about 350 miles of actual physical barrier built. The rest of it geographically, it takes care of it. Um, but to control those, that creates a choke point in that regard. So we do need physical barrier that's not being built, unfortunately. Um, but we need a human wall. And, and the thing I kept pointing out, whether it's DPS or the state or National Guard, is, is you know, you see these videos of these National Guardsmen who are helping these illegals out of the river. You know, I'd go down there and I'd watch them. I'd watch them come across. They'd, they'd have their plastic bags and they'd come out and they'd get out of the river and they'd come out into a little wide area, parking area in a field. And they would strip down naked, pull their dry clothes out, and they would just leave their shit right there, right? And um, they'd wait. They wouldn't. You'd think they would run off. They didn't run off. They waited. Yeah. They waited for DPS to show up. DPS would wait with them. And then here comes the feds. Here comes Border Patrol agents. If Border Patrol agents were just basically acting as a federal Uber driver to take them into um, take them into uh, the city, where they'd give them to these five hundred one c threes like Catholic Charities or whatever. So they'd get processed. They'd run a background check on them useless for the most part give them a court date that would be two years out that you know they're not coming back to and they send them over to catholic charities they get a manila envelope there's money in it there's a plane ticket on the outside of the envelope and you can see it down there in in mcallen texas in the airport it's by the thousands people holding this thing it says i don't speak english help me get to my right gate yeah. you know you got to revoke the 501c3s of these charities that are doing this kind of stuff because they're not helping anything you got to shut down the flow of cash i mean we just saw that just this week, we saw that $17 million um, that was allocated to put um, illegals in hotels by the federal government has wound up missing. Um, that, we got to end that shit. I mean, you just, we, we're enabling this kind of stuff. And so we got to stop that kind of deal. I, I agree. Uh, and I'm going to preface this with, you know, not even maybe. I'm, I'm probably a total dumbass when it comes to procedurally what's legal or not. From my standpoint, like just from a basic common sense ideology is that I agree. I think that there needs to be barriers where it makes sense to uh, so that it prevents people from just walking across. What my biggest question is, is from a processing standpoint, is why does anybody have to be processed? Like to me, why, why can't there just be an, enough people? With, and, and it can be a, a, an amalgamation of National Guard, DPS, local law enforcement in the areas that apply fucking private contractors that the state hires, I mean, whatever it is, but people that are preventing people from coming across on the entire border. And, and to me, it's a, it's a simple thing of you just say, turn the fuck back around. <laughs> well, that's what I mean when I say right, a I mean, human wall, right? Yeah, I mean, we, like, we're not helping you out of the river. Yeah, we're you're saying not, stop. Yeah, you're, you're not coming in. Turn the fuck back around. Exactly. That's it. Like, there, there's no more to it, it than it, that. And, and in my opinion, it's that simple, right? Like, why, why is that not happening? Yeah, that it's, it's, it's a chain of command issue. And I used to say to, you know, people as I was going around talking, I said, if you had a human wall and those people stood there and said, not today, you're not coming in. It would reverberate within 24 hours in two places. It would go as far as Costa Rica. There'd be cartel heads going, why the fuck did my package getting across? Yeah. And then you'd have people in Washington, D.C. picking up the phones going, what the hell are y'all doing down there on the southern border? This, so it's a chain of command issue. It's, it's bureaucrats to the tune of 2.5 million of them that are unelected. They're appointed in Washington, D.C., and they're the ones who are determining our policies. And so to go a little bit deeper into the topic – 
here, here's the globalist big government people have a weird ideology when it comes to money and global economy. So Forbes magazine did an article in 2018, and then they revised it in 2020. One was when Trump was in office. Another one was after he was out. Uh, but same author, they just revised it. In their opinion, they believe that an open border is actually good for the global economy. That's the big government ideology. That's why they don't do it. Uh, you know, the great economist, uh, uh, Milton Friedman said that you can have one of two things. You can't have both. You can have an open border or you can have a welfare state. You can't have both because it'll collapse it. Yeah. So you can't just take care of everybody. Right now, that's what we're trying to do. But again, the big government globalist people, they think that with an open border, it's going to do a couple of things. So like the Democrats, they look at it and say, well, these are more voters. These are more people that, you know, these are uh, people that we need to be taken care of and we need to get them back on their feet and they're going to contribute to the economy. And then you have the Republicans who are saying, yeah, these are these are lower wage workers that we can utilize. And it's also taxpayers, potential taxpayers coming in. So the big government people, they love all of this shit. So the Forbes magazine study, they said, and this is a this is not a real number. This is just one they pulled out of their ass because this number doesn't exist. They said it would infuse $100 trillion into the global economy. There's no way you can do the math on that and figure out $100 trillion. I mean, that doesn't exist. So that's their idea. They truly, as an ideology, believe that an open border is going to make a better global economy. But these are also people who believe in things like modern monetary theory and the ESG scores that deficits and debt are great. You can print more money even though there's nothing backing it up and that's actually good for everything. You know, it's like uh, uh, Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum said, you know, in the future, you'll own nothing and be happy. That's, That's really their goal in this whole thing. To them, they see an open border as being critical to that whole thing. Well, when you're fighting an ideology like that, something as simple as having men and women on the border that are equipped to say, nope, stop, turn the fuck around, they don't get to do that. Because again, you, you've, you've built a whole philosophy of government and polity that, that doesn't allow for that to happen. And so who gets screwed? We all do. Yeah. That's the bad part about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to me it's, it's baffling um, that, that people in those positions that have that, that train of thought uh, don't see the negative impact that you know having having zero idea of of you know both numbers and who is coming across look at it like this mike so you know just this last week jill biden and you two the band have been in ukraine yeah that's supposed to be some war-torn country ukrainians are fleeing right you two puts on a full production show a concert jill biden not the president the first lady goes to fucking ukraine and and (laughs) visits with the first lady of Ukraine, right? So what the hell's going on? They don't go to the southern border, though. Nobody's going to Valverde County. Nobody's going to Eagle Pass. Nobody's going to International Bridge. You know, Kamala Harris, she's the border czar. She's not going down there. She made one little quick tarmac trip to El Paso. Shit ain't happening in El Paso. It's happening in places (laughs) like McAllen. I mean, so so Abbott, legally, he he could make that happen, right? He could activate the national, like basically 100%. man the border and say, no, you're not fucking coming in. There's here. a couple, there's a couple of things. There's, there's a lot of wild ideas. I mean, there, there's things that you could do, even if you were, um, uh, even if you're the land commissioner of Texas, there's certain things you could do. There's a treaty between Texas and Mexico that goes back to 1890. We're supposed to be supplying an amount of water to the Rio Grande every year. So is Mexico. Mexico hasn't supplied their part to the, to the Rio Grande in over five years. If you added just a little bit of water, that would raise the level of the Rio Grande over a foot, which would make it in most places impossible to cross. Okay. But if you added that, which is supposed, if you look at pictures of the Rio Grande, it's a huge riverbed 
and a little bit of water. That's where they're crossing. And in some places, it's only ankle deep. If you put the supply of water in there that Mexico is supposed to be putting in there, you'd raise that thing 20 feet. That may, that would make it almost a, not almost, it would make it a navigable trade river. Yeah. You, you screw these ports being shut down. You could run boats all the way up the Rio Grande and, and unload things in the interior of Texas. But see, people don't think about things like that. Um, but again, the cartels are the ones controlling the water in Mexico. Uh, but you would have to put pressure on Washington, D.C. to name them international narco-terrorists. You'd have to do that because, again, that's going to stop a lot of these gang members. You know, some kid in Ohio, he's going to join a gang. He finds out it's a cartel gang. Well, guess what? You get arrested, son. That's life in prison because you're part of an international terrorist group. That's something that has to happen on a federal level. Has to happen on the federal level, but the point is we've got the power to push that. Texas has the leverage. So my big argument there is when it comes to the federal thing, Texas being the, the economy that it is globally, we supply we supply 46% of the nation's oil. We supply almost 30% of the nation's marketable natural gas. We are the number two producer of coal in the nation. Um, we, we, we are a force to be reckoned with in terms of our population, our leverage, our size, and our economy. We can put the pressure on Washington, D.C. and basically prove the point that America needs Texas far more than Texas needs America. And so, you know, we've got a House Bill 1539. That's the Texas bill. I caught a lot of shit for saying that that bill, which is, you know, people say, oh, you just want to secede from the United States. Well, I want to remind the United States that we can. We're not asking for permission that if you keep doing the bullshit that you're doing on the federal level and the globalists continue to wipe their ass with our constitution and they don't care about people's rights anymore, you know, they're willing to shut you down. You know, 3 million jobs lost in Texas, 10,000 businesses closed down, an economy that was because of COVID where they, you know, Greg Abbott put us in an economy worse than the Great Depression in 1929. Uh, and we're going to sit there and, and let bureaucrats continue to do this thing. we got to remind them, we can make you not do these things. Yeah. Um, and it sends a message that says, hey, we're kind of putting our foot down here. We're not asking permission. We're going to do some shit. We're going to shut this thing down. Uh, and he doesn't border Florida. Uh, he doesn't border Mexico. But Ron DeSantis in Florida basically said, you start bringing illegals into Florida. We're going to have the planes waiting on them. You dropped them here. We're going to get them out. And they didn't. They stopped dropping the illegals in there the way that they were planning on doing Again, it's a it's a problem everywhere, but at least he stemmed the flow a little bit. Greg Abbott, you know, as governor of Texas, could do anything he wants to do. If he wants to build a wall, he can build a wall. Um, if he wants, if he wants to enforce that, uh, you know, he could declare an invasion tomorrow. So, if you look at Article One, Section Ten of the Constitution, in a case of an invasion, if the federal government does not come to our aid, it the governor now becomes the commander in chief and can declare an invasion, and force the hand in regards to that. This is no doubt an invasion. If you just do it on the fentanyl thing alone, yeah. uh, not to mention the human trafficking, the sex trafficking, and the drug trade, all this kind of stuff, but this is an invasion. They're bringing a bioweapon across our border that is manufactured in China. Again, it's not political, politically correct to say it, but it's the fucking truth. We can declare that. Um, if you look at Article 4, Section 7 of the Texas Constitution, same thing is there. You have the right as a governor of the state to shut your border down. You can do it. I mean, if we want to stop people from coming in from Oklahoma, we can do that. And that might not be a bad idea either, but, <laughs> but we can stop that from happening. Yeah. Uh, we can control the roads. The governor and the state control the highways in the state, right? Um, and people forget, like we're seeing this Roe v. Wade thing happening 
this may be the first time that we truly see the Tenth Amendment come into play in the United States, because most people don't even know what the Tenth Amendment is, but it returns the power to the states to make decisions for their own betterment and for their own good and safety. You invoke the Tenth Amendment. Uh, you know, again, you, you're basically saying, Washington, D.C., you're over there. So, so before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with firsthand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Philosophically speaking, when you go back to the founding of our country, our founding fathers, they like to quote a guy named Baron de Montesquieu. Montesquieu was a big guy on, you know, philosophically on the power of a republic. And he wrote a lot about Rome. And he said, if you've got a big landmass, you've got to break that landmass down into smaller states in order to govern the landmass, or else you're going to wind up with a dictatorship or an empire. That's why Rome started as a republic and it ended up an empire because they didn't govern it on the local level. Everything was centralized to Rome. Right now we're getting everything centralized to Washington, D.C., and we're getting a royal ass screwing because of it the states have lost their power uh california california might as well have fallen off in the ocean already i mean they're they're powerless they're dead i mean they're they're broke they're bankrupt i mean you know if for such a beautiful state with really good people out there that are getting screwed by bureaucracy it's a huge economy but they're not going to do anything to leverage it that's my point so they're not going to hold Washington, D.C.'s feet to the fire. Texas could still do that, though. Um, it, we're going to see what happens here. If Beto O'Rourke gets elected governor, we're, we're fucked. Yeah. I mean, I at least Greg Abbott, is, he's a big government shill, but at least we can get him to say the right things. And with enough pressure, maybe even occasionally get him to do close to the right things. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, the, the 10th Amendment thing is really the key uh, for the entire country. And, and I think... There are very few topics or issues where I, I don't think that that would be a, a huge improvement over what's going on. I mean, take the Department of Education as, a, as right. another completely unrelated but, but totally relevant example is that, you know, that, that's as good of an example, I think, as exists for power back to the states being yeah. crucial to the success of the collective nation is that, you know, trying to, to govern the entire nation's uh, education system under one roof is a huge mistake and and you can see a a direct paralleled correlation from you know back in the late 70s early 80s when the doe took took hold and basically started dictating all of these national educational policies to where um, you know the the collective mean average intellectually or education wise student to student has has taken a fucking big shit off of a cliff (laughs) since then yeah, uh, you know, and that's not a not an accident. So uh, no, it's not. It's it's a controlled crash. Yeah, uh, but, but, Depart- I think, yeah, I think but most- you're right. Department of Education never educated anybody. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, yeah, the, the, the there's a sweet spot of of size. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> you know where 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 there, there comes a point, and this is business, military, fucking you name it. Is that at a certain point, 
things are too big to be able to manage efficiently. Just, I mean, plain and fucking simple. I don't care how, how well organized it is, how yeah. efficient it is, how many, you know, policies you have in place is, is that whether it's, you know, city, state, you know, wh- whatever it is, is that, um, there, there comes a point where, where you have to break things down into smaller groups to be able to, to keep them running smoothly and, and relevant to that, um, you know, that group, uh, for it to actually work. And, and well, I mean, it, it's, it, the military does it. Yeah. Uh, big businesses do it. Uh, you got to break it down. Churches do it for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, you go to a church, a big mega church, I mean, they don't expect you just to go in there and sit on Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever they hold their services. They want you in a small group. Yeah. They want you broken down. Um, it, it's the only way to govern. It's the only way to manage. And, and we're not doing that right now. Yeah. Uh, so outside of the border, um, you talked about education and uh, what, what are some other things, I guess, that you would uh, that you would try to tackle Texas-wise? Well, you know, you're talking about education. You know, I, one of the things I, I firmly believe is is the, and I call it the school system, not the education system, because I don't believe they're educating anybody. Uh, when you talk about an all-encompassing sexual education program, that means they're wanting to educate your kids about sex and everything from math class to you know, health and science. I mean, it's, it's in reading. Uh, it's insane. The stuff that, you know, I'm, that's kind of a big issue for me because I'm kind of on the front lines with a lot of this crap that's going on. And people just wouldn't believe how these public schools have become indoctrination centers based off the curriculum that's being pumped through there. I keep saying that whole, that whole deal needs to be burned to the ground because they're not educating kids anymore. Kids are going, they're getting out of school. They're going off to college somewhere. And then they're, you know, getting indoctrinated by these wild eyed, lunatics that have never done anything but push papers around a desk in an academic bubble for 30 years and never tested their wild-eyed theories in the real world and they indoctrinate your kids with it and your kid after four or five years in college is you know graduating a hundred thousand dollars in debt with a degree and undecided um they don't know who the fuck they are and so you see this generation of mamby-pamby safe space beta cook soy people that are coming out and they're offended by everything and you know the old adage about weak men create hard times i mean that's what we're headed into uh we're already starting to see it in, in a bad way so we got to we got to change this thing and the way you do that in my opinion is put the power back in the hands of the parents and make the parents be responsible for their kids one of the things that happened that i think was good through the covid shutdowns was it created this zoom call education culture where parents suddenly could see what was being taught in the classroom and a lot of them chose to homeschool because they were like Fuck that. why am i putting my kid into this bullshit right yeah. you know i mean if, if my kid goes in math class he doesn't have to hear about amanda and her girlfriend gretchen and do a word problem about what time the fucking gay train comes into the station <laughs> i mean you don't have this is bullshit going on man yeah. and it's happening over and over again you know you watch these videos of these teachers i just saw one yesterday where this fifth grade teacher she's like all my kids they, they moved on to sixth grade they came back and they're all telling me they're queer now because i'm queer and i encouraged them to be and i'm like shut what the fuck are you shitting me right now is that it? yeah like it should be totally irrelevant it's irrelevant and not part of the irrelevant the process i mean yeah. I, I didn't i never heard about you know i mean either way right like either way straight I, gay i'm not program. out there talk, you know i never had any teachers that came out and told me about their you know romantic kayaking trip over yeah. the weekend yeah. uh so there's that there's you know the property taxes are a nightmare we, we we've got um we're stupid i mean we really are we um you know, we send $260 million a year, to, I'm sorry, $260 billion a year to Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. gives us about 20% of that back, um, and we say thank you. Um, that's like going to the clinic, and they, they drain 100% of your blood, give you 15% of it, smack you on the ass, and tell you they hope you feel better tomorrow. It's just it's a yeah. dumb logic. But, you know, we, we celebrated 
quote unquote, we celebrated our largest surplus as a state in history last year. Why aren't we taking that surplus and using it to collectively buy down people's property taxes? And then let's change the way the rates are assessed. And, you know, people right now, God forbid you but put a deck on the back of your house and do any improvement. It's going to hammer you next year uh, on this thing because they just keep turning the rates up more and more. And, you know, we've got to incentivize the private sector to do some things. Why do we keep relying on the government to go out and do mediocre bullshit jobs and we're okay with that? Like, the streets in Texas suck. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Why aren't we incentivizing the private sector to go out there and bid work on those jobs? We, we could do that. There, there are people out there smart enough. If, if Elon Musk can fly a rocket into outer space as a, as a private citizen, then surely we can find people to make the earth flat enough to drive on. Yeah. Um, you know, why are we relying on all these different things that we are? It's just absolute insanity, the stuff that we put up with and just say, oh, well. And I say that to conservatives, too. If suddenly tomorrow, uh-oh, if so, <laughs> suddenly, you probably needed that, dog. The, uh, if suddenly tomorrow the government were smaller, like we say we want it to be, most of us would be screwed yeah. because even conservatives have gotten so governmentally dependent on everything. We wouldn't know what to do. Um, but there's a, you know, I think property tax is the most immoral tax there is because you never own your land. You never own your home. John Locke's, um, you know, natural rights uh, was life, <laughs> liberty, and property. Our founding fathers, they, they fought a revolution over a 3% tax. Um, we're, we're getting hammered to death on, you know, I think all taxation is theft, but property tax is the most immoral. I don't think veterans immediately, veterans should not be paying property taxes and people over 65 should not be paying property taxes. I think we should move to a consumption tax that has a cap on it. Uh, don't believe in, I don't believe in a, you know, a, a a value-added tax or a consumption tax like Europe does it because they don't put a cap on the thing. It's out of control. It's the same problem. But it's basically a participatory tax that uh, if I'm choosing to do business with a company, yeah, I pay taxes on the things that I'm buying. I can choose to not buy those things. Uh, there's a way to get that to about a 9% rate and kind of put that on a glide path to a zero when it comes to the property tax aspect. Um, but again, it's going to take these bureaucrats in, in Austin – who are willing to say, okay, let's let's actually do what we're <clears throat> campaigning about and get it done. Well, and most of these things stand to be a detriment to their their yeah. deals that they have, you know, yeah. which is why it's never going to happen. Never going to happen and <clears throat> until you have until you have some term limits. And again, you got guys that are supposedly going to go there and vote themselves out of a job. That ain't going to ever happen. Yeah, no. uh, you know, it's it's a cash cow for them. They monetize everything they touch. Yeah. Um, that's how these guys go in, you know, with a net worth of two hundred fifty thousand dollars and come out with a net worth of twenty five million. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. It's insanity, dude. And, 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 it's we're, all, and we're getting hosed. Yeah, and, and they're all that way. I mean, left and right, all all yep. the same. Hundred percent. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's fucking staggering. Like to me, the you know, if, if you want to enact some, uh, like there was all this hubbub about uh, Trump's taxes. You know, to me, it's like, well, then then make it that way for everybody. Everybody. Everybody at the federal level is that if if you run for anything in the house of representatives on up yeah you have to be an open book with all your investments all your taxes well, fucking everything look man. i mean dan crenshaw we know dan i mean dan's cut a lot of shit a lot of it rightfully so on some of the stuff that he's but he he had the highest return on investments of any congress member last year yeah i mean he mopped up 
Yeah. It's like, what are we, what are we doing? We claim to be conservative, small government people that are not about the insider trading and all that stuff. We're, we're fighting the bullshit swamp and the cesspool of politics. And then you can go out there and do that. It's a poor representation, in my opinion, of what you say your values are. Yeah. And, and I mean, to me, like there's the, you know, you could make it illegal or, or ban, you know, Congress's ability to, to make investments. Yeah. Uh, but, but to me, like, if you have to do that, then they're the wrong people for the fucking job to begin <laughs> exactly. with. You know, it's like, sh- shouldn't you guys be able to police yourselves yeah. and, and live a certain way that, that your, your expectation of everybody else is, is here. Yeah. Like you should live at least at that fucking you level. You should. And you shouldn't want to stay there. You know, George Washington, they wanted him to serve a third term. He's like, nope. He didn't want to be president in the first place. Right. He was reluctant. Uh, and I always say, anybody that wants those jobs are the wrong people, yeah. people for those jobs. People are like, why do you want to do this? I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want this job. you got to be a major narcissist, psychotic, or just stupid and not know what the job entails to want yeah. to go do those things. You know, George Washington, he said, no, I'm going back to Mount Vernon. I'm going to spend the rest of my life making whiskey. I mean, that's a great retirement plan, in my opinion. That's yeah. what he did. They couldn't, they yeah. couldn't twist his arm to yeah. get him to serve a third term as president. Yeah. That's yeah. the attitude we got to have back again. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you mentioned Elon Musk. I do want to get some, uh, some of your thoughts on social media in terms of regulation and him buying Twitter and, and kind of what your thoughts are on that. Well, I, I don't know if you know this or not, back in February, eight days before the election, we sued Facebook um, because, again, they, they uh, put me in a Facebook ban eight days before Election Day. Um, and we took them to court, sued them, and won. So I'm the first person in Texas history to sue Facebook in Texas and win. Oh, shit. Yeah, they, they don't want to talk about that. So we still have an ongoing court deal with them. We just had court with them again. They don't like that L on their record. So... You know, here we are, but we, uh, it's a shit show. And as a guy who's made a living using social media, I've watched the numbers and the trends and the censorship that happened ever since Trump came into office. People keep saying, oh, you got, you made all this money because of Trump. Oh shit. I'd have made a ton more money if I, if Hillary Clinton had won because I wouldn't have to deal with all the censorship and the, and the crap that went on. So, you know, Twitter, Twitter is a dumpster fire. I have a love hate relationship with all of it, all social media, but you know, the Elon thing, like, it's I, Elon is a globalist. He's a transhumanist. You know, the guy went out there and suggested uh, AI and talked about how dangerous it was if the government ever gets their hands on it, but then he goes out there and creates AI. <laughs> like, this, this dude's not on any of our sides, right? I appreciate certain aspects of things he does, but shit, you know, it, what do we get with all of this stuff? What price tag is on this thing? You you have to look at who somebody is when they show you. Yeah. So, you know, smart guy, sure, knows how to put the right people in place to invent the right things and, and you know, does what he does. But I don't trust him as far as I could throw him. Do you think it's a, a, a net positive that he bought Twitter? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I, I We'll see what he does. Now, again, he just, he just bought one of the ways to collect everybody's information. Um, it just made him more and more powerful. Um, and again, I want to celebrate the wins. I don't want to throw the baby out with the, the bathwater here to mix the metaphors. I, I want to keep, you know, I keep saying be wise as serpents, you know, gentle as doves in this whole thing. Keep your, keep your head on a swivel with this. Don't just start blindly celebrating this thing as, as this guy is some kind of hero that's come to save us all. I don't think that's the case. But yeah, 
we we saw it. I mean, it was almost like you know you get a new boss and suddenly the paper shredders get turned on, right? Uh, we I saw it. I don't know if you did on on Twitter. I mean, I added I had twenty five thousand new followers in two days oh, once sure. once they announced that thing, which told me. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. I mean, Sarah Gonzalez there at the Blaze, she added 100,000 people in two days. Uh, that's just not, algorithmically, that's not possible. Unless they flip the switch and turn the knob and said, oh, shit, we've been hiding this stuff. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. So they were kind of cleaning up the office before the new boss showed up. Yeah. Um, and, and so we see that. We know. I look, I, I can go back. My, you know, I've run several blog sites over the years, like politicalcowboy.com. PoliticalCowboy.com, before Trump got into office, was, was getting 750,000 unique hits a day. That's a lot of visits to a website, running a news website. After uh, January 27th, after Trump was, in, was, was inaugurated, January 27th, suddenly I went from three-quarters of a million visitors a day to 3,500. Wow. They just restricted the flow. I mean, they just shut that shit down. Um, and again, I've seen the numbers. I, I, I've seen it over and over again. It's it's almost impossible anymore for me to use social media to go out and promote a show. Listen, when uh, I mean, it was nothing for me to go out and do a video sitting in the truck, some silly thing, or put out a weird song that I'd written or whatever, and get 10 million views in 24 hours. Yeah. You know? Now, Shit, I got one that I put out the other day about Amber Heard snorting coke on the witness stand, and it's it's at a hundred thousand. It took it three days. What I do it Sunday morning, uh, and it's three days to get a hundred thousand. That video would have been thirty million views. Yeah. You know, if this was two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen. Uh, so now trying to sell a live show, sell a T-shirt, you know, our, our apparel brand stuff like that. If I'm not spending money with social media, we're not promoting anything. Yeah. I can, I can put a post out there. I can put a Mother's Day post out like the other day, get 17,000 reactions to a picture of me and my mom, right? I got 3 million followers. But, you know, I post a picture say, hey, going to be in Naples, Florida, May 25th. Eight people react. That's fucked up. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, on a much smaller scale, I see the same shit on mine, depending on what it is. And, and yeah. you know, even certain guests, you yeah. know, I have this guest on and it's fucking nobody sees it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I, no, it's insanity, dude. Yeah. That's why usually a lot of people don't even know I have a show. I do a show Monday through Thursday night. You know, we're on we're on, you know. We put it on YouTube. We put it on Blaze. It's on all the networks in different places out there. And it's like, I can't say on Facebook, hey, go watch my show. It's pointless. Yeah. Nobody's going to see it. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Eurooptic.com. Now, if you haven't heard of these guys yet, Eurooptic is an online retailer of optics, firearms, hunting apparel, and outdoor gear. They carry all the major brands that we all know and love, like Vortex, Swarovski, Night Force, Leupold. Sitka hunting gear, uh, Beretta, CZ, and lots more. Your Optic is a veteran-owned company based in central Pennsylvania. Their team of customer service reps are the best in the industry. They're all hunters, shooters, and outdoor enthusiasts, so they have the first-hand knowledge of the gear that they offer. 
I'm telling you, nobody knows more than these guys. If you're familiar with EuroOptic, then you already know they have faster shipping than anyone else. With their red shipping, you will get your purchase shipped the same day and it will be on your doorstep in one to two days for free. Just look for the red logo on most of their stuff. Since these folks are supporting us, we'd like to support them. So head on over to EuroOptic.com forward slash mic drop, all one word, to see everything that they have to offer. Again, that's www.eurooptic.com forward slash mic drop. I mean, so to me, that, that's the, the biggest, uh, most encouraging thing about Musk buying Twitter is that, um, you know, to me, he, he does like, I don't view him as a, as a savior or a, uh, you know, or a villain either. I, I you know, yeah. I, I view him, you know, very simply from just based on what I've seen from him is that he seems pretty, pretty even keeled as it relates yeah. to, you know, wanting a, a fair shake at, at things. Well, I like his definition in that interview about what free speech is. When somebody I don't like can say something I don't like yeah. and get in that that's free speech. Yeah. Um, I hope, and, and I agree with you, I hope he's amoral, right? I hope he's not either way. Yeah. You know, I can look at the things and be like, mm, that's kind of suspicious and scary. I hope he doesn't take that to another level like the transhumanism and the AI stuff and the chips in the brain, you know, which again, maybe those are all just conspiracy theories that we worry about. But they, then again, over the last two years, I've realized that conspiracy theories and reality are just two weeks apart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's gotten pretty ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, to me, I, um, I, I'm encouraged by what I see from him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but still optimistic. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens to me. He, he does not come across. If you look at, the way he lives and, and the other things that he puts time and energy and money into, they're, they're not like anybody else that has the kind of money that he has. Yeah. You know, he's, he's very different that way in, in a good way, in my opinion. I like he, him better than Bill Gates yeah, or Mark I mean, Zuckerberg. He, he doesn't seem to give a shit about a lot of the same things that yeah. – that most multi-billionaires give a shit about. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, I guess. But Exactly. But uh, I'm encouraged by it, though. Yeah. Hey, hey, listen, I'll, I'll say this. Whenever whenever they made the announcement and the thing happened and that, the, the, you know, the 24 to 36 hours of Twitter kind of being a free-for-all, it was the most fun I've had on social media in years. Yeah. Just, it, wa- it, just, just to say whatever I wanted to say. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. people are just coming out of the woodworks yeah. with shit. Well, I mean, to me, it is, it is telling and interesting that if, if, you know, somebody, you know, in this case, you know, he, he buys that and, and his statement is, you know, I, I want this to be a bastion for free speech and, yeah. and whatever, you know, what he said versus how it was represented, I think is, is telling to the people that are pissed about it. Like if you're, if you're mad at what he said and what he's trying to accomplish to me, that, that should be alarming to most people. Yeah. That's you know? a telltale sign. I mean, like if you're trying to stifle that, I would ask you why, you know, yeah. um, but w- one thing you mentioned uh, going back to some of your time as, as a governor candidate that I, I did want to ask, um, you know, five, 6,000 miles a, a month or a week, did you say? Week. A week. There at the end, it was a week. Yeah. Um, and a 19 month uh, run. What was, what, what did you learn about Texas that, that didn't exist before? I mean, what, I thought, to, <laughs> I thought I knew how big Texas was. Yeah. I mean, just on a logistics level, I mean, God, it's a big state. It's a yeah. big state. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of good people. I fell in love with Texas again. I thought I loved Texas. I fell in love with Texas. And, uh, you know, I've been actively involved with the state on various things. I alluded to Hurricane Harvey earlier. We've done a lot. Um, but, you know, 
Texas is a good place. I really believe it's the center of the universe um, because of the spirit that exists. And I think that's what we got to protect, you know, is that attitude. You know, the people talk about everything's bigger in Texas. Well, it starts with the attitude. You know, we hold our heads a little bit higher, chest stuck out a little bit further. You know, there's I'm from Texas. I've got friends that come from other countries, you know. They'll come visit, and they're like, I'm just glad I came to Texas. And I was like, my friends back home, they don't give a shit if I came to America. They just wanted to know if I come to Texas. So, you know, you learn that that spirit's alive, and um, you see it. You look in the eyes of these people, really good people, hardworking, blue-collar people that are really concerned with what's happening. They see it. You know, they're awake without being woke, so to speak. And and, uh, they they really want what's best um, for for this for our state. And, and kind of see ourselves on a, on a global scale of how big we are and the leverage that we've got. But I learned a lot, man. I, you know, it was, um, I would, like I said, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I'm not ready to do it again. Um, not saying I won't, but I, but it, it was, um, it was an eye opening thing, both negatively and positively. Yeah. I, I lost some people in my life. I'm, I'm added some people to my life. For me, it, it, it gave me a whole new, um, audience, people that, didn't have a clue who I was or what I was all about. You know, you learn you're not as popular as you think, you know? Um, so it was, it was, it was a, it was a wild deal. What was the, uh, the best part of running and the worst part? Well, I think the people are the best and, I, and that sounds kind of cliche to say, but I, I think the people, you know, you see some folks that, that they're kind of hurting. I mean, Americans are hurting by and large right now. You can't put gas in your car. I mean, people are, you know, having to drive hours to find baby formula right now. It's, it's a shit show. But there are people that are hurting out there. And I, th- I think the best thing is, you know, you look at an opportunity for a future here. They, California doesn't have that. Oregon doesn't have that. Washington doesn't have that. You know, New York, Illinois, they don't have that. I think there's hope here. You know, right now, unfortunately, we've become a sinkhole state. Uh, for every job created in Texas, it's costing the taxpayers $500,000 per employee. That's not good. I mean, that puts us on par with Illinois. Uh, we got to change that. So, so whereas the people are, people are the best, the people getting screwed is the worst. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the negative thing. And, and I don't think that the average person out there, I alluded to the person driving up and down the street on the highway that you see, I don't think that the average person realizes how how precarious our position is right now in the state of Texas. We just think everything's going to be okay. It's really not. It's really not. Um, we're feeling the pain in a lot of ways, but you get a guy like O'Rourke in there, and basically it's going to be turned over to Washington, D.C. bureaucrats bureaucrats, and globalists. Yeah. Well, yeah, and if you think the border's a shit show now, that guy's governor. Wide yeah, open. It's going to be fucking horrible. Wide open. Yeah. What, uh, so what is next for you now? Do you know yet? <laughs> Politically, I don't know. Um, I don't think they're going to let me go. Um, which, again, you know, I, mean, I, I can come on here and, and say what I want to say, and people know that when I open my mouth, they never know quite what's going to come out because I'm reasonably filterless. But I, I didn't change any of that to run, right? So people were like, damn, this guy's kind of wild. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not kissing anybody's ass. I'm going to tell you what's true, and, and I just go with that. This is my conviction. And people can go back 10 years of me publicly talking, and, and they can see I haven't changed. So for me, you know, we're doing, we're doing some live shows. 
you know, we I've always done comedy, but I incorporate m- music into the comedy. So we do that. We got our, our group of guys that, you know, we go out and do some stuff. And um, it's a fun show. It's, of course, the show on the blaze is going to continue on. Our our apparel stuff that we do. Everybody, you know, we've all, anybody's got a social media platform. They're all selling T-shirts or supplements or something, shit like that. Yeah. Thank God for a free market economy. Yeah. Go out there and sell stuff. So we're doing all that stuff, and I'm just watching. I'm just kind of observing. I'm, I'm going to, you know, promote the folks that I think need to be promoted and, and push them through in November. And, uh, you know, I'm involved in all that kind of stuff. And once the dust settles, we'll just see where it's at. Yeah. I, think, I think, you know, these midterm elections are huge for our country. As we head into 2024, you know, I'm a guy. I hope Trump does not run again. I agree. Um, I, I think that that's done. I'd love to see DeSantis I'd run. I'd like to win. see DeSantis do it. I mean, DeSantis has just proven himself over and over and over again. Uh, we'll see if, if Trump, his ego will allow him to play second. You know? I, I don't think it will. I don't think it will, well, unfortunately. unfortunately but. He could be, you know, Trump, is, <laughs> Trump has notoriously bad advisors. He endorses the wrong people. Uh, he's got, he's got political establishment guys that are in his ear. That's unfortunate. Uh, Trump could play, Trump could play, you know, the, the, the general manager of the baseball team, so to speak, he could play that role, get behind a DeSantis and it would be a powerhouse. I I mean, it just, it would just be a powerhouse and really turn some things around. I wish that he would on the back of one of his hands, uh, tattoo, calm the fuck down. (laughs) You know, like if he would just do that, I think. I well, think the world you know, would be a better place. You know, I, I said while he was president, I was like, he's a great comedian. Yeah. His timing is impeccable. Yeah. You know, you go to one of his rallies or you, you do the stuff, and, and it's like the guy, he's he's a jokester, right? Um, there, there were, if he could have gotten out of his own way, um, and I look, I've been, I've been both a Trump apologist and critic, and, and I've consistently been so. Uh, he's just a man. I'm not a part of that cult, and trust me, that cult does exist. Um, we got to, you're right. I mean, a guy who can get out of his own way, stop stepping on his own tail, shut the fuck up every now and then, listen, you don't have to be, you know, so ego driven, but that's just not how that guy's wired. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when you, when you have that amount of money and and run your own corporation for that amount of time where you literally answer to fucking nobody nobody for decades nobody and now all of a sudden you have to answer to somebody like that just doesn't work doesn't go and i mean you you build a real estate empire i mean you're a white guy in new york yeah you know you're not jewish you're not italian you're not black you're not in the mafia you know you you're a white guy in new york city and you build an empire the way that you did yeah it's and he's a counterpuncher. You jab him, he's going he's gonna to try to knock you out. Yeah. He doesn't know any other way of doing that. You know, there's no question about it. And, and I made this point on my show a couple of weeks ago. I was like, you know, I've met some really good salesmen that, like, I was like, yeah, that's, like, I want this guy on my team, but he ain't the smartest guy, yeah. right? He knows how to sell. He knows how to get the deal done. Not the smartest guy. That's the way I see Trump. Trump's not the brightest bulb across the board. He's just not. Um, and, and again, people get pissed off at me for saying stuff like that, but come on. Yeah. We know it's true. Um, but he knows how to get the deal done. Yeah. And, and he was effective at doing that. Now, I hope as we go into 24, the wise decision will be to, to help get a different type of deal done without him being the point guy. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I know uh, we've talked about it for a while. Um, I appreciate you coming, coming in studio, even. 
even though it's a bit of a trek these days from where you're at. Uh, all I was dreading here. it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Rock wall. <laughs> yeah. One way in and one way out. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. And that, that bridge is shut down. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get, I got to get you into the studio again. I need to get you in Emerson, uh, yeah. get you and Clint in there and, and, you know, get him to talking about sticking his finger up your ass and all those good times <laughs> again and, <laughs> or, or, or still <laughs> yeah. still doesn't dude, dude right I, listen i've been fortunate enough to to make um some good friends in the seal community and i always say i've got friends that if the shit goes down i'm on y'all's team all right i'm on y'all's <laughs> side so you know i was talking to jack carr the other day just various guys that are out there i've been fortunate enough to be blessed with good friendships and, and relationships that are out there and i value y'all's voices yeah, uh, you know, every time Clint turns around, there's a new book on how to kill somebody, yeah. and I love it. And uh, but I, I just appreciate what you guys do and the voice and and all the stuff that's out there, man. So yeah. thanks for having me on. Oh, th- yeah, thanks for all your support for all of us. I know uh, you and and the whole studio there, uh, you know, with with Blaze and and there's so many shows there that are super supportive of uh, oh, of yeah. all of our guys, and that uh, you know it's not not unnoticed and damn sure not uh, underappreciated. So I will say if you ever find yourself in a room with Clint and he's putting on latex gloves, find somewhere else to go. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's just, a, that's a, a pro tip. It, I tell people all the yeah. time about that, you know, this book, right. Kind of crazy yeah. where obviously he goes into that yeah. story about you guys. And, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's good. I mean, Clint doesn't have a lot of filters. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. Um, where, uh, where can people find you? And uh, uh, The most vain web address of all, uh, watchchad.com. <laughs> very voyeuristic. Uh, yeah. uh, watchchad.com, live shows. Uh, we are Actually, I'm going to be local. We're doing a show June 5th in uh, Billy Bob's, Texas. It's maybe my sixth show at Billy Bob's there in Fort Worth, the world's largest honky-tonk. Uh, and uh, we'll do some comedy, do some music there. It's going to be fun. And um, we're, we're bouncing around. So uh, got all that stuff and it's kind of a one-stop shop watchchad.com awesome to uh to you guys the viewer as always thanks for uh for tuning in uh, the way that you so faithfully do i appreciate it without uh that support we would not exist uh if you didn't like the show feel free to choke yourself and until next time this is mike drop
I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.